the last few episodes have actually been a little long, so I want to try and simplify this a little more just so that I can make these quicker and easier to understand just for the sake of clarity uh, and time. Uh, but in civil procedure, we started talking about venue. There's going to be two parts of venue just because we uh, went over some of the rules today. And tomorrow, or rather next week, we're going to be getting into an example with the case. So venue is set out in 28 U.S.C. 1391B. And so what is venue? Well, let's think about things big picture. If you look at the United States, you're staring down upon it, and you notice a claim and the claim happened in California. And you can't and you zoom into California and you can see that there's grid lines in California where there's several districts of the state where there are several federal district courts, one court per district. And so you see that a defendant resides in one of those districts and the plaintiff resides in another one of those districts, and the claim happened in another one of those districts. And venue outlines where you can sue based off of those districts. So, for example, the defendant may be a resident or rather domiciled in California, but you need to get in closer to make sure that you actually sue in the right courthouse. And that's really what venue does. So how does venue work? Well, there's 1391B, and there's three parts to venue. So a civil action may be brought in one, a judicial district in which any defendant resides if all defendants are residents of the state in which the district is located. Two, a judicial district in which a substantial part of the events or omissions giving rise to the claim occurred. Or a substantial part of property that is the subject of action that the subject of action is situated. Or three, if there is no district in which any action may be otherwise be brought, as provided in this section, any judicial district in which any defendant is subject to the court's personal jurisdiction with respect to such action. Okay, so let's break that down. What's 1391B1 saying? Well, it's just saying if that all the defendants are part of that state, and if all the defendants are part of the same district, sorry, let me just say that, repeat this. If all the defendants are part of the same state, they can be sued in any district that those defendants reside in. So let's take Iowa for example. Say there's two defendants in Iowa. One defendant lives in the northern district of Iowa and the other lives in the southern district of Iowa. Where can this claim be brought? The answer is both of those places. The reason why is because 1391b1 allows a claim to be brought in any district as long as those defendants reside in the same state. If those, district, if those defendants reside in different states, it's not going to be an available option, and you have to move on to 1391b2. And that's just saying a judicial district in which a substantial part of the event, you're just going to look at pretty much the... Uh, th that gave rise to the claim. So in other words, you're really just going to look a little bit closer 
to specific personal jurisdiction. Where did the claim arise out of? And you're going to look. Did the specific claim arise out of a specific district? And if the answer is yes, and the defendants are part of different states, well, then that's how you're going to use it. So, for example, say we have a, a Kansas defendant and an Iowa defendant, and the claim arose in the southern district of Iowa. Well, you can see that both these districts, so, sorry, both these defendants are part of a different state, and so you can't sue them based off of where they live. It would be improper venue, and instead you have to look at where a substantial part of the claim arose, and in this case it would be the Southern District of Iowa. So that is the only place where the person can be sued. Obviously, if you only have one defendant, you, uh, you will always use uh, 1391B1. If you have multiple defendants in different states, you will most likely be using 1391B2. And lastly, this third option is just saying if neither of those work, well, then you're going to look at the personal jurisdiction, and that's going to mostly be in regards to foreign defendants. We won't focus so much on that now because most of our analysis is going to go into 1391B1 and 1391B2. And that is a little brief overview of venue. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.